Well, uh, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Morning Recap. This is a different format for us, obviously. We're doing it over Zoom, but this is kind of cool. I am here with Pastor Jamal. Yo. Pastor Todd. Good morning. And Pastor Bonnie. Hey, guys. And uh, uh, it's exciting. So we are now in uh, Easter week or Holy Week. And all week long, our church is focusing on some scriptures. And so we want to talk about today's scripture. We'll talk about Pastor Jeff's message as well. But um, before we start, I always like having some kind of intro. So I don't know about you guys. uh, How many Amazon Prime fans have you been seeing, like, in your neighborhood or as you go out? I mean, I feel like they're everywhere. Like, can you even put a count to them? Um, I I see, like, one a day because I've been getting deliveries, like, almost every day. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Our our neighbor gets them regularly, and regularly they give us her packages and give oh. us. Yeah, they switch our two things, so that's happened like a couple of times in the last week. Not that I'm ordering that much. <laughs> nice, nice, Pastor Jamal. You seen him or like not so much? Not so much, actually. Um, we haven't been seeing a lot of prime vans coming through here, but um, there are a lot, a lot of kids outside playing and running and um parents yelling social distancing you know, you know they want them you know Don't touch. Contact. yeah and then um kids outside videotaping themselves doing their their uh pe classes which is kind of funny so oh, that's oh, funny that is funny okay i've yeah. seen some kids outside but i haven't seen that that's people have been walking around around here which is nice rebecca and i've been going for walks she's yeah. been going but yeah i just feel like Everywhere I see Amazon Prime fans. Like, I didn't even see them before all this. Now I'm like, oh, okay. Amazon Prime mm-hmm. has, like, vehicles. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. all right. Well, yeah, so um, let, let's just start talking about the scripture and stuff. Yesterday was Palm Sunday, Pastor Jeff's message. Um, he talked about how the cheering ceased and how people, they cheered Jesus into Jerusalem, but... Six days later, or five days later, they were cheering for his crucifixion. And he talked about how it's because they had a casual faith about what Jesus could do for them and uh, instead of a committed faith. And he talked about the difference and how committed faith is Christ-centered, it's relationship-driven, and it does not waver in personal trials or crisis. <clears throat> so continuing with our Easter week scriptures, yesterday was Palm Sunday, the triumphal em- entry into Jerusalem. Today's scripture is in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, and it's when Mary pours out her costly perfume. And so um, did you guys want to read the passage together, or did you have an opportunity to read it yet? I mean, I read it. If you guys want to read it together, we can read it through together again, but I did read it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then... Uh, how about this? If you're listening or watching the recording right now, we'd encourage you, why don't you pause the video if you didn't get a chance to um, read it yet. Read the passage. It's a great story. And if you've read the Bible, you've probably read this passage before. And uh, we'll give you a second to do that. And then come back and uh, listen to the discussion. So I wanted to start with this. I don't know if you guys have looked into this before, but I had some context questions just uh, quickly about the story, then we'll get to a look more of our usual questions. But um, it says that the story takes place six days before the Passover, and it takes place in Bethany, which is right outside Jerusalem. And it's at Lazarus, Mary, and Martha's house. Can you guys tell us just why they're significant 
uh, who are Lazarus, Mary, and Martha? Why are they important? Well, Lazarus is important because um, he's the guy that died and Jesus uh, brought, brought, brought back from the dead. <clears throat> uh, when you read that passage of scripture, um, back in John chapter 11, you see uh, just the relationship that, that Jesus had uh, with this group of people. Uh, scripture seems to kind of allude to the fact that they have a close relationship, even though when Jesus finds out that Lazarus is sick, he's like, all right, cool, I'll be there in four days. Like, it's one of those things, like, you know, um, Jesus n is close to them, but he also kind of knew what was going to take place. And um, when he had heard that Lazarus had died, he was like, oh, I'll get there. Um, which is a weird kind of thing to see uh, when you're talking about people that you love and care about. But um, they are uh, considered throughout scripture, um, part of kind of like the group of people that hung out with Jesus on a regular basis and had um, a strong relationship. Yeah, I, I um, actually did a, I preached a message on Martha a while ago and um, using the three passages um, that talk about her and her like evolution of faith. And so this is the last passage that talks about Martha and mentions her. And what's significant here is that um, she's, she's serving, you know, it says Martha served like she was, you know, in the first passage where we meet her, where she was running around all busy and, um, you know, stressed that she had to do all this stuff and that her sister wasn't helping her. The difference in this passage is it just simply says Martha served. Like she was, she was content to do what she was called to do. Um, she wasn't, you know, doesn't mention anything about the stress like before. Um, and then also um, I, met, I had mentioned that um, I thought it was significant that, you know, Martha was the head of her household and yet she allowed Mary to use this expensive perfume on Jesus that could have been income for the household. Like Martha didn't hinder that in any way, um, you know, and, and she just simply served and, you know, did what she was called to do. Yeah, that's um, some great insight into those characters. That's cool. What we were pointing out, Pastor Bonnie, that maybe that encounter of that earlier story about how, yeah, Martha was stressed about, um, Mary helping her. She just wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus. Jesus's words actually maybe impacted her. And you see the change now in this story. That's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, I did have a question. Uh, again, I don't know if you guys have like researched this or looked into this but in the past maybe, but that this story is in the synoptic gospels as well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But um, it almost seems like a different Mary or he's at a different person's house. He's at Simon's house, who I believe is a Pharisee. So I don't know. Um, again, I don't want to cut you guys off guard if you don't feel prepared to answer, but like, have you run into that before? Like, is that confusing? Or I'm just thinking if like, we're telling people in church, Hey, why don't you read this story? And they go, Oh yeah, I've read this. I think I remember it a little different. And then it turns out, Oh yeah, there's another story somewhere <laughs> and it goes a little different. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or like, what do we do when we encounter something like that? Um, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if you feel like you need to read up on it before you have like, I don't know what you guys think. Well, so from, from what I remember, because when I was doing the sermon about Martha, um, I actually researched this story because I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is in different gospels. But it's but uh, everything I was reading and researching um, said that there was two, Jesus was anointed twice. Like they believe that Jesus was anointed twice. It was two separate times because um, the other accounts of his anointing was by Mary, who was a former prostitute. And 
and the Mary that's Martha's sister didn't have any of those characteristics. Um, so a lot of Bible scholars believe that there was two different anointings and two different Marys. Um, so you have to read the, you know, it's, it's important to read the context and the clues and, you know, look at all those details because um, you can't just read it and take for granted like, oh, that's the same Mary. Why, why is she, why does it say she's a prostitute here and anointing Jesus? But that's not the Mary I met in, you know, the first account, you know, or whatever. So. Right. It's, it reminds me a lot of the feeding of the 5,000 and the mm -hmm. feeding of the 4,000. Like a lot of people read through it and they don't realize that they're two different events. Mm -hmm. They always think it's the same thing. So it, it can be confusing. If, but like you said, context is really important to make sure that you're understanding what's going on and where it's happening. Yeah, from what I've read about it, just a little bit, um, what I understand is there are some, there's some kind of, I guess, uh, Roman, between medieval Christianity and Roman Catholicism, there seemed to be um, some things that they were kind of tossing around to be able to, uh, I, this sounds really, really bad, but it's just what I've been reading and researching. Uh, they've been throwing different things around to kind of manipulate the story because they were a little bit uncomfortable with um, Mary, this Mary who anointed Jesus's feet with oil and um, uh, Mary of Bethany. They were a little uncomfortable with uh, what would seem like throughout scripture, her relationship towards Jesus, her being a woman. And so um, that's where some of these labels of Mary, um, who was a former prostitute, which some scholars say that there's no indication that she was, you know, uh, in the original text and original mm. scriptures that she was actually a prostitute. And they, mm. they kind of threw that in there to kind of discredit her and knock her down some mm. so that it wouldn't feel uh, this funky tension of a woman being almost kind of on par with the rest of the disciples in this group of people uh, who were expressing this, um, you know, faith towards Jesus and saying, you know what, I'm all in for this guy. I'm following this guy. Um, because we see even when, you know, moving a little bit, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, when we see the resurrection, you know, it's Mary who's there at the tomb, you know, and then goes back and tells the disciples, yo, hey, look, we've seen Jesus, you know, um, it's almost like you see this kind of shifting in a sense of um, what was understood to be, a, well, I don't say it like this, but what was understood to be the, the woman's place, I guess, in that particular time, now coming into like a shift of like, oh, well, God is using everybody, you know what I'm saying? He's moving the paradigm or shifting the paradigm uh, to a kingdom perspective where you see, as Paul would later go on to say, there is no uh, Jew or Gentile, male nor female, right? That it's Christ. And so, um, so there's some tension there in some of those scriptures. Uh, and it might be because there was some, ooh, I hate to say it like this, but there might have been some manipulating, some kind of fudging, you know, in there to kind of make it, uh, make it, a little bit more palpable, but this isn't the first time that we've talked about stuff like this. When we were talking about women in ministry mm -hmm. in our uh, women in women ministry podcast, we mm -hmm. talked about how they changed this woman's name mm -hmm. uh, so that it would be like, yeah, all right, guys, right. you know, yeah. so like, mm -hmm. this isn't the first time we've run into something like this, which kind of, I don't know, I guess just makes us all have to say, all right, maybe we need to do a little bit more digging here, uh, find the original texts, the original scriptures as close as possible and find out what is really being said here um mm -hmm. but i don't i don't have that that access so 
It's really interesting. And Pastor Jamal, even what you're describing about um, like us being uncomfortable or, you know, people, uh, the Bible translators at the time being uncomfortable maybe with the idea of a woman disciple. So just personally, like um, uh, this just makes sense to me. There's the Bible series that came out in 2014. It got like a lot of attention. Um, uh, What's his name? Roma Downey. Is that his name? Or uh, that's that's the it. woman, I think. Or that's the woman, it? yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's the what's the husband's name? I don't remember his name. Anyway, I I really enjoyed the series. I would recommend it. Actually, like I like it simply because it just puts like um, pictures to the text for me. It's like just kind of makes it come to life. But in uh, the Jesus episodes with the disciples, there's a disciple named Mary, and I remember thinking like, mm-hmm. like who is this? Like or like. Which Mary? Because there's so many anyway, I guess. And uh, I, I don't remember. I don't think they show a scene of her anointing his feet or anything. So I'm just like, you know, who's this Mary that shows up? But she does go to the tomb. And it's kind of like what you're saying, uh, Pastor Jamal. Who knows that if maybe there – well, yeah, there may have been, you know, uh, women – there were women followers of, of Jesus. It does say that. But when it comes to a specific story like this, that actually could be how they're like, well, we're not like – well, yeah, she was like a prostitute, like, and she mm. was kind of out of her mind when she did this. Mm. And Jesus was like, well, actually, anytime you read about the gospel, now you're going to know about the story. That's, yeah. you know, for mm. those of you who are not okay with this. Mm. So that's a pretty interesting point. Um, but it's also true what you said about the context and as well, Pastor Bonnie, what you were pointing out. So I think a lot of times too, if you're familiar with these stories, like you were even saying, Pastor Todd, oh, feeding of the 4,000 is different than feeding the 5,000. You, you just know the story. Jesus fed all these people. But like, so it actually, it, it can be, hey, look at the details. I read recently, re- read a different translation. It's important mm-hmm. to be changing the translations you're reading because they mm-hmm. become very familiar. Mm-hmm. Well, those are some great points, guys. And thanks for bringing attention to that. Even um, what you said, Pastor Bonnie, or maybe l- let's say this, let's go here. Um, what, you know, so what was unusual about what Mary did in this story, we said it was worth a year's wages. I mean, but like even what else is going on here that makes her um, act really significant and unusual? Well, I mean, the next thing you read is that she's wiping his feet, you know, with her hair. Um, and hair was, you know, for a woman, especially at that time, and even today, really, hair for a woman is very... Um, significant it's very um you know it's something that women value highly um and i was thinking about this earlier you know when i was reading through um that you know she wiped his feet the dirtiest part on his body you know the the, with her hair and like I mean, I when my hair is like greasy and I haven't washed it for like a day, I my whole body feels dirty, even though like I'm not dirty. Like you know, my hair gets dirty. Like I think most women feel like that. Like when their hair is dirty, they just feel dirty completely. I don't know if guys feel like that too or not. I I can totally relate. <laughs> yeah, I know you can, right? <laughs> so like, so you know, to 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 use something that you know it was of of value to her and and signified you know her beauty and um you know, she, she sacrificed like probably her feeling of like personal, like cleanliness. I mean, she sacrificed like, you know, her, some of her like self-worth in a sense by, you know, bending his feet to wash his, wipe his hair with her, his feet with her hair. Um, 
you know, it was just a lot involved in that act, a lot of sacrifice um, and, you know, self-sacrifice involved in that act. Yeah, I think that, um, I think, Pastor Bonnie, you're, you're right on. And I think um, when most people talk about this story, they talk about the, the perfume and the sacrifice of the perfume. But I think, Pastor Bonnie, you're, you're on the, right on the money. Not only did she sacrifice the perfume, but she sacrificed her glory because that was right. what the, her hair represented, right? And so right. she was like giving the, the, her highest value of not just her possessions, but of herself, her own right. being. Like, I'm going to take my hair and clean his feet, you know, and that's, you know, I mean, it's just, if, if Jesus has, you know, a, you know, if we're giving value to his body, you know, his feet being like the dusty, the dirty part, you know, the lowest of who he is, she gave the greatest of who she was. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, when we talk about sacrifice and, uh, and the perfume, we also need to take a look at, you know, that, that act as well. Yeah. And I, I think, <clears throat> You know, I don't know if this is stretching it a bit, but the fact that she was sensitive enough in that moment to close enough to Jesus and sensitive enough to him to to follow the leading like, uh, leading of her Holy Spirit speaking to her heart or whatever, that she would take this and make it an act of worship in the timeline of him, you know, getting ready to go to the cross, not not too many days after this and and all that and all falling into place like. I think it's unusual that here's a woman again leading a spiritual act. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I think that's that. And I think the fact that she was so sensitive is something that um, we should all aspire to, to be so sensitive to what God is doing in the moment, that our hearts are moved and and we take the risk to follow and be obedient like that. You know? That's really good. Um and I thought I had earlier that you made me think of again, Pastor Todd, thinking about how there is another story and everything that maybe there was most likely another Mary that this happened and everything. Maybe she heard, she knew of that story. Maybe she knew of what Jesus' life was pointing to that week. Maybe that's what he was sharing with them. Who knows? And then she did this act of worship, like, wait a minute, you're going to do this. This you're You're not running from this. And so moved by the Holy spirit that she does this or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a great point being sensitive. And um, I guess, you know, I guess I have a few thoughts like how it cost her something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you look at the Bible reading plan, you can download it. We have that on social media. Uh, that's kind of what we're saying is the prayer focus for the story is sacrifice mm-hmm. that she mm-hmm. sacrificed, you know, like um, part of what you were saying, pastor Bonnie and pastor Jamal about her hair and her, um, reputation, her value. Um, also just that she's uncomfortable. Like you said, that was a good point. Like you just feel dirty, like (laughs) just feel a little dirty. Your own, your own self-comfort. You're, you know, she's sacrificing that, you know, everything. Yeah. And also it's worth a year's wages. Like, I don't know, let's just throw a number $50,000. Like just to, she threw $50,000 at his feet because she loves Jesus. I mean, that sounds a little, sounds a little much. So like, oh, what were you? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if you think, oh, sorry, Pastor John, were you going to say something? Mm, Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, No, I was going to say, the other thing I was thinking about sacrificing in the, in the wages, you know, sacrificing the perfume is, you know, our, for us, like, and for everyone, like our wages are our security. Like that's a sense of security. So like 
sacrificing that sense of security that you know that you have this stockpile, you know, that you can cash in at any moment to supply for your house, you know, for your household that she just gave away. I mean, just sacrificed it. That's a good point. Yeah. And the thing I was thinking about it is who's the one that makes the big deal about the cost of it. Mm-hmm. It's Judas who really right. didn't necessarily fully get Jesus and what he was about. And so his mind was on earthly things while Jesus is having this moment about eternal things, you know, and, uh, and that can be a warning to us. Sometimes we get caught up in maybe some of the details that miss the heart of who Jesus is and who God is. And so, you know, that can be like a good warning to us too, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I thought about this as well with Judas's response, you know, first of all, I feel like I may have thought the same thing, but then it, I mean, it says why he would steal from the money box, but I wanted to ask, what are some things, when do we have that response sometimes? Like, don't you think that we can do that? Like, um, well, you know, I think the church should, why doesn't the church do this? Why doesn't the church, you know, fill in the blank or why don't Christians fill in the blank? And I don't mean other people looking at Christians. I mean like us, the follower, Judas was a follower of Jesus. So like us who follow Jesus, can we have that attitude? What are some things that we even have that attitude about that we need to be careful of? What attitude are you talking about specifically? I'm just trying to follow. Well, you know, just thinking of the context of the story that she, you know, worshiped Jesus. It was kind of maybe uh, unusual social, socially and all the rest of what we're talking about. And Judas was just like, why didn't she sell to the poor? Why didn't she use this for better reasons? And then the Bible explains why he said that. It's because he had, he would steal from it. But I'm saying, can't we have the same attitude about the church or about Christians, about each other? Do we, what are some examples of an attitude maybe that we can have sometimes like that? Yeah, I think it's, so I think it's tough because I do think, I think it's, one of those things, it's a, it's, a, it's a heart issue, because I think you can have a perspective of why does the church do dot, 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 and it come from a good place, and a place to want to champion the church, further the church, and push the church forward into uh, its, its purpose and its mission, and then you can have the perspective of, you know, well, well, why doesn't the church dot, 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 and it come from a different place in the heart, like here with Judas, obviously his was like, he likes to steal, so like, there was already something at work there. And I think that oftentimes maybe the go-to thing in those scenarios is to uh, ask, <clears throat> ask questions, right? Or I would ask questions of the person who's asking, why doesn't the church dot, dot, dot? Because then it would reveal the matter of their heart. And then maybe through that, we could find a solution. But I think to find out why do people do that or, uh, you know, yeah, I think that's just like a matter of the heart. But I think the way, I think people do that sometimes with, I mean, people can do that with um, like what we're dealing with right now with the coronavirus and um, uh, what the church did for uh, for center state. Somebody could say, oh, well, you know, uh, Kimball, Paul Kimball or whatever the the hospital in Lakewood, you know, why don't we do for them or, um, you know, Jersey Shore, you know, why don't we do for them? You know, so somebody could easily do that. Uh, And in that scenario, we'd say, well, hey, we we have some uh, someone who is from our church. Uh, who has a direct connection to this particular hospital brought the need before us and we responded. Right. And so then that's how you would respond to that type of kind of criticism. But if, you know, if they were saying something along the lines of, um, 
well, why does the church do this? They got all this money, da, 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 da. you know, like then it sounds like that comes from like a, you know, a not cool place. And so I would be real cautious about having conversation uh, with that person because they might be coming for your head at that point. I don't know. Kind of the thing that sticks out to me with Judas and this is his attitude is then he turns around and blames it on something good. Mm. He's like, you know, we really shouldn't be wasting all that money. We could help the poor. You know what I mean? And it's almost like using a spiritual thing mm. to cover up what's go- really going on in his heart. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, people throw out that God card a lot to justify what they're doing or so that you can't question them. And I kind of feel like that's a little bit what Judas was doing here. He was just kind of like, he had something going on in his heart about the money issue, but then he kind of blamed it on like a God moment. You know, we could be helping the poor. And I think sometimes we do that too. Like when we're uncomfortable with something or maybe it's new or foreign to us, we're like, "Mm, I don't like that. I think, I, I don't think I would like that. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we put that little bit of a spin on it so that people can't question us about it or so that we don't have to say, well, I feel uncomfortable with it. So uh, that's kind of what sticks out to me. And uh, and I know that I think we all do that at times, you know, we're kind of like, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure what God would think about that, you know, instead of just saying, Hey, I don't like that or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And what you guys are saying, yeah, it's definitely a heart issue. And it's important to recognize that maybe I'm uncomfortable with this. Um, yeah, but it, it's, it's an issue of the heart. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I, oh, God. I was going to say that ties into what Pastor Jamal was saying. Like, if we can say, like, I don't feel comfortable with this, then it gives us an opportunity. Well, why don't I? What's going on in my heart about it? You know? I think sometimes as Christians, too, and the attitude that's displayed here, you know, is we value, we value work um differently like we think that you know one Mm -hmm. type of service is better or more valuable than another and it's you know you see here judas is like you know even though his motives may be selfish he's like well we could give to the poor you know we could bless so many people with this but but the point in that moment is that nice background Uh, the point in that moment is that um you know he's Jesus, I mean, Mary's seeking to bless Jesus. And it's like, you know, sometimes our service, we focus so much, so our service so outward, you know, for other people that we forget to serve Jesus first and to bless Jesus first. Like Jesus should always come first. And then, you know, the external works and the external service should be secondary. If I'm being completely honest, that just resonates with me because I just feel like, I would say, well, that's nice that you thought you worship Jesus. I mean, did you like, like I, I would, I, I definitely grade him. Well, this is this. Okay. You did this, but why we should do this. This is better. Like yeah. that's how I think. So that's really important was, what you're saying. I was going to say, Bonnie, I think you, you're dead on again. Paul addresses this, right? Like that was the issue in the Corinthian church It's like, yo, your gift is not make you better than this person. You're, you know, some do this, some do this, some do this. Like this is, I understand we got many different gifts, but here are the core things that remain uh, despite all of those things. And I think sometimes we just have a nasty habit in church of comparing and competing. And I Mm -hmm. think that like that kind of, I don't know, I don't know, maybe that's just human nature. You know what I mean? Um, um, And that's something that, uh, that, you know, we got to trust in the Holy Spirit to deliver us from. But I think, yeah, we get into those spaces 
where they'll say, okay, cool. Well, we gave the center state. That's great. But like, what about, you know, tent city or what about, mm-hmm. you know, like, what about those people? Like, what are we going to do for them? Um, and it could be overwhelming, you know? And I, yeah. so I think it's important to, um, you know, do what you can when you can, um, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed, you know, like, cause I think sometimes we can get stretched too thin too, right? Maybe I'm like mm-hmm. going off on a tangent here, but, um, but I think that we can, we can sometimes get stretched too thin because we're trying to do everything. Uh, but if you're gifted in one thing particularly well, you should do that well, I think. Right. And, um, um, and I think sometimes as a church, like, you know, church leadership globally has, has a tough fight on their hands when they're trying to quell the hearts of human beings um, <laughs> and be like, yo, chill out, check your heart. Here's where, here's where we're at. Here's where we're going. Um, uh, but it's sometimes necessary um, to make sure that, you know, kill the beast, I guess. Mm-hmm. And to make a connection to even us starting small groups and us trying to figure all that out. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes people have this attitude and come, well, I come to Sunday school and you don't. So what's your problem? Mm-hmm. But they're doing like Thursday night, you know, Thursday morning Bible study or something like that. So we can still have that same attitude even within our local church of, well, this is what I do and you don't do this. So you're missing out on what God's doing. And it's not the idea of whatever I'm doing is the most important thing in the moment. It's, it's this idea of like God is working. And like Pastor Mal said, God is working a lot of different ways and you got to go where you're being fed, you know, with fitting in with that. Like, um, I guess, I guess my thought is with that is with starting small groups and stuff, people aren't always, you're not going to always see what everybody else is doing and what they're a part of. And so you can't have the attitude. Well, well, listen, they should be out doing what I'm doing, you know, but understanding that, Hey, they're, they're contributing over here where God has led them or where they fit in or where their giftings or whatever. And so that's kind of what makes the body work. If we're all doing the same exact thing, then we're missing out on what, what the body looks like over there we can't be like well my group is the eye and that's the most important thing right now right you know yeah and and ultimately it's all about celebrating the advancement of the kingdom right Mm -hmm. like it's about saying oh man look at the kingdom of god killing it over here killing it over here killing it over here and you know if we if you are the hands you know you look at the feet and say, man, I can't be the feet, but look at them run. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you, you, you champion that because the kingdom is advancing and the kingdom um, is winning. And that's not what we see Judas doing here. Right. Like, you know, Judas is immediately like, Oh, well, what about this part of the kingdom? You know, like, uh, and in reality, if, if Judas cared about that part of the kingdom, he wouldn't be stuffing his own pockets. He'd be taking that money and giving it to the court. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the, the irony in that situation. It's like, you got time to steal money. All right, well then give that money to the poor, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? But, um, so yeah. Pastor Jamal, how come, how come your Judas voice is very similar to your Fabian voice? <laughs> oh, was it? Oh no. Oh man. That's unfortunate. Oh man. Just kidding. <laughs> My bad. My bad. That's uh, what I was laughing about. <laughs> well, those are, those are really great thoughts. And I love what you said, Pastor Todd, and even, um, tying it to kind of what you said earlier and what you were saying, Pastor Jamal, about like, there's so much, yeah, you could maybe even be overwhelmed. Maybe it's a slightly different conversation, but how many things should I be serving or all those things? And what you're saying, Pastor Todd, about comparing ourselves and like, well, why don't they do what I do? And so kind of bringing it back to 
the heart issue, but also like hearing from God, like you said, Pastor Todd, Mary and the story is something in her heart, something in her soul, the Holy Spirit, whatever. She says, I'm going to do this right now. And maybe that's important for us. Um, maybe she heard about the other Mary who did it. And so that can be an inspiration, but um, she didn't worry about what other people think. That's the whole story. That she didn't care about what other people thought. She's like, I'm going to worship God. And it costs her something. And so that would be my next question um, is what does it mean for worship to cost us something? And I just want to also say about this last week, Pastor uh, Jeff read from Hebrews 13, 15 about uh, let us continually offer God a sacrifice of praise. And with the young adults over Zoom and even the small group leaders over Zoom, I asked them that question. I'm like a sacrifice of praise that just like stood out to me. What does it look like? Uh, sacrifice of praise you know most of the time to go to church and like to sing when you stand up and sing along like you know I don't know if that's much of a sacrifice so what does a sacrifice of praise look like it's the sacrifice to some people if they think if they feel like they can't sing (laughs) they're forced to or the people who sit in front of them who have to listen um mm. but no I'm just it's kidding. not a bad point actually, <laughs> i'm just kidding um no I, level, I can't i cannot wait to get back into the sanctuary with everybody and hear everybody singing together whether you feel like you can sing or not i want to hear everybody's voices again i'm like that's oh, like yeah. that's like the main thing i'm craving right now um but sacrifice of praise you know simply put in my mind is is praising God when you don't feel like it, praising God when you feel like you can't, um, praising God when you can't in your own physical human mind, like muster up any reason to praise God, you praise him anyway. You know, that's, that's what's in my mind. That's really great. Any thoughts you guys have on that? Uh, Trying to Romans. I feel like Romans Romans 12 gives us, I think, a good kind of like, hey, this is what it means. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So Paul, you know, is he had just got through kind of unpacking um, uh, for, um, for Romans. Hey, listen, this is all that God has done, you know, you know the offering of his son as a sacrifice for our sins and um uh and more more on more than that he you know he talks about it started here with israel but is now moving to the gentiles he says you know you guys are part of that he's talking about them being grafted in and then he starts uh, romans 12 by saying therefore i urge you brothers in view of god's mercy to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing unto god and he says this is your spiritual act of worship and so i feel like um your whole life right as it should be it should be uh, a sacrifice of praise and so um you know whether it's your thoughts your words your actions you know you know not necessarily not uh exclusive to you know singing in church but um you know how you conduct yourself as a as a spouse how you conduct yourself um as a you know as a brother, sister, you know, whatever, like, I think Paul challenges us to view our whole entire life as a sacrifice of praise and saying, okay, how do I, how can I give unto God in this moment, in this conversation with this person, in this, you know, conversation with my spouse, conversation with my children, you know, uh, with my finances, like, how can I get, how can I champion the kingdom of God 
uh, in every aspect of my life. I feel like that may be uh, the idea of what praise, you know, like in that regards would look like. And then to give a sacrifice of praise, I think of when Jesus says, hey, listen, if somebody um, asks you, you know, uh, ask you to walk with them for like a mile, walk with them too. Then that's, that to me is the next level. That to me is, this is the sacrifice of praise. It's like, mm. here's the praise. I'm loving my brother enough to walk a mile. Here's the sacrifice of praise. I'm loving him enough to walk too. And like, mm. I feel like that to me encompasses a little bit of what we're talking about in that regard. Mm. That's really good. And I just want to say, uh, when we did with the small group leaders, shout out to Mark Piccolo. I believe it was Mark that said, uh, yeah, he said, I said, how did you define it? He goes, like, dying to yourself. And kind of what you're saying, that, that your life is a sacrifice, that you're, yeah, in conversations with my spouse, in people that I work with, when I'm talking with them, whatever, I'm thinking, God, what do you want to do here? God, how can I honor you? How can I glorify you? What's your will right now? Those are all... I have to choose to do those things. And so it's like, I'm dying to my will, what I feel like um, as well, just kind of going off what you're saying. It made me think of that. So. And maybe part of it is the idea of <clears throat> like, sometimes we're glory stealers, like, Hey, look what I did. Not necessarily always like, look what God is doing type of things. So maybe part of that sacrifice of praise is like, understanding our real position compared to God's position in it mm. and acknowledging God for what he's done and praising him for what he's done. Uh, instead of it always, it's the dying of self. It's the dying to my own need to lift myself up, but lift somebody else up in my place. Mm. You know, that's, good. that's really good. And so let's, um, we'll begin to wrap up with this and, at the end of the story, verses nine and 10 um, talks about how, you know, people came to see Jesus. They especially wanted to see Lazarus because they knew the story. Lazarus was raised from the dead. And as far as the Easter week is concerned, now tensions are starting to rise right before this chapter, before this, the Pharisees decide they're going to kill Jesus because everyone's following him now. Now that he raised a man from the dead, this is crazy right outside Jerusalem. In fact, it is interesting to me that they prophesy. They knew that God, that one person would die for all the people. And then, so they're like, so let's kill Jesus. <laughs> like, it's really interesting. Like they heard from God. They're like, oh yeah. And then, but then they're, anyway, just a separate thought. But um, so, you know, tensions are rising and they actually want to put Lazarus to death as well. That's what it says. And maybe think about this in um, the Bible study last week on Wednesday, Pastor Jeff talked about Nehemiah chapter seven and Nehemiah put gatekeepers, blah, blah, blah. The whole miracle, um, they built a wall around Jerusalem in 52 days. It was like a miracle that it even happened. Um, but he still put gatekeepers to guard it. And he talked about how we need to protect the miracle that's in our, our life. And so even here, Jesus raised a man from the dead, Lazarus. It's amazing. Um, but now these guys want to kill him and they're actually coming after Jesus. And he talked about how after God does something in our life, we can be susceptible. We, mm. uh, we can think, Oh, God did a miracle in my life. This is so exciting. God brought this back from the dead. God mm. built this in my life in 52 days. It's incredible. Mm. Um, I'm great. I'm on sky high, but uh, you know, we need to protect that miracle. So I just thought of that. I don't know what you guys, if you guys have thoughts on that or just from the story, it, that made me think of how pastor Jeff talked about that recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is to, you know, try to discredit the works of God, you know, um, 
and when something happens, you know, the, either within our own thoughts, you know, doubts can arise or, you know, outside influences can come in and say, oh, well, you know, ex try to explain it away or, um, and I mean, it's, it's, I really believe, you know, it's just, it's the enemy's agenda to try to discredit the works of God, you know, in any way possible. And, um, you know, we as Christians, we need to uphold the works of God and to glorify the works of God and to promote the works of God, um, you know, as, as truth and not discredit them, not, you know, try to fight the doubt and fight the, um, you know, the, the feelings of doubt and um, trying to explain things away in different ways um, because, you know, God's miracles need to be, you know, glorified and, and, you know, promoted and um, lifted high, you know, for his glory. Like it becomes a natural part of us talking about God, those types of things, like mm -hmm. this is what God is doing. And it, mm -hmm. it, it be a part of who we are flowing out of our love for God. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that strikes me funny about this is like Lazarus had already been dead and Jesus brought him back to life. And so they were plotting, Hey, let's kill Lazarus again. <laughs> right. Like it didn't work the first time, you know, not that they killed him the first time, but right. you know, let, let's, 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 here's a walking, um, if you want to add seriousness, here's a walking example of, of Jesus's power. Mm -hmm. Let's silence that example there. Mm -hmm. But I just find it funny that their plot was, Hey, it didn't take the first time. Let's try it again. <laughs> yeah, I think, and it's what I'm, what I think is interesting about that story. I'm, so I'm, I'm inferring here now, uh, but you know, Lazarus, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, people knew that Jesus had this relationship with this particular family. So when Lazarus does die and he's dead for four days, I wonder if there weren't some Pharisees and Sadducees who came to see if Jesus would show up. And, you know, when he didn't mm. show up the first day or the second day, third day, whatever, then when they see this guy walking around again, they're like, what is going on? You know, mm -hmm. I wonder what's like, I, my mind thinks like, oh, I wonder what they were thinking mm -hmm. uh, in that in that space, in that moment. But um, when I'm thinking about this, when I look at this passage of scriptures, something, the one thing that stands out to me uh, is that when there's something about there's something about the fruit of life in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and from, from my perspective, there's something about the fruit of life in a relationship with Jesus Christ um, that causes people to put their faith in Jesus. Mm. Like when I'm reading that last, the last sentence mm. there, it says, so the chief pre, uh, excuse me, uh, verses 10 and 11 says, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well for an, a, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. I mean, and I just thought to myself, man, the power of the fruit of life mm. draws people to Jesus. Like, and, and that is not just in the physical sense, right? But also in the words that we use, right? Like the mm -hmm. way we use our words towards people, like when you speak life, right? Um, mm -hmm there is something powerful that takes place in the lives of other people that make them say, man, you know what? I want, I want life. I want what you're talking about. I want to be a part of, 
what's taking place here and uh, just to see people kind of like abandoning you know their old ways and saying I'm, I, you know i'm putting my faith in the guy who raises people from the dead that's a, that's a word man like i'm just like mm. that's yeah. that i could like i could live off that like mm. and i feel like as a church that's what we're called to do right to live off of that that we're putting our faith in the one who's able to um who's able to raise the dead even in the midst of everything that's going on right now for us mm. as you know as a nation um and then you know just even seeing other nations you know talking to different missionaries from different places and like the things that they're going through 8, 8 p.m curfews like lockdowns like i think brian korea was talking about how he can't go out unless it's his day like he yeah, has to have you can an only ID go out for four and, hours every 10 days and they check your id if you're out so wow. yeah you can't so, like violate that yeah so like in the midst of stuff like that <clears throat> like in the midst of stuff like that and saying you know what man like we don't live we live on the word of god and we put our faith and our trust in the fact that man he's raised the dead there's nothing that there's nothing that he cannot do Mm -hmm. um like a faith and a resolve like that i feel like that Mm -hmm. just speaks volumes um and it changes people's lives and it makes people want to come and see what jesus is all about Mm -hmm. that's so good what you guys said and um yeah, Pastor Jamal, like, I mean, yeah, like the, the fruit of a life that's with Jesus makes people want to follow him. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And so much we could probably say more about that. But even mm-hmm. what you said, Pastor Todd, made me think like, you know, they wanted to kill Lazarus again. You know, when uh, God does something in your life or, you know, there's a change, God does a miracle in your life, you're following him now. Uh, you know, people want you to go back to how you were. And that's how people Mm -hmm. talk to you. And it's important not to, and Mm -hmm. to not let those voices get to you because of what you're saying, Pastor Jamal, when people see the dead man walking, people Mm -hmm. go, wait a minute, I got to follow this guy. So there will be people who say, well, no, 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 you're dead. You're supposed to stay. No, go back, go back to Mm -hmm. how you were. It's Mm -hmm. important for us. No, um, Jesus is in my life. I'm following him. That's really great guys. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. let's, uh, let's wrap it up. So, I th- that's the passage for today. Again, if you're listening or watching or whatever, uh, I'd encourage you to read that and to be thinking about that today. We hope this discussion has helped you. And all week long, we've got some more media coming out. We've got a video, Pastor Jeff, tomorrow. We're going to do another podcast episode. Uh, looks like Thursday, about the passage that week. And uh, that one's going to be interesting, guys. So I'd encourage you to read ahead on that one. <laughs> Pastor Jeff and I were talking about it. Um, and so, uh, but let's do this. Let's end with some prayer. If you guys don't mind, uh, yeah. I was going to ask each of you guys to pray. Again, it doesn't have to be crazy long or anything, but um, Pastor Todd, if you don't mind just praying for the crisis obviously going on and like healthcare workers and healing and just like, you know, the problem right now. Um, Pastor Bonnie, if you don't mind praying, uh, just, you know, that lost people would continue to find God right now. People are panicking and that they'd find God. Pastor Jamal, um, if you don't mind praying for just the church right now, that we would be a beacon of hope, that we'd be ready for lost people to come, that we'd be reaching out to other people, not just, you know, hiding and waiting for it to be over or whatever. If you want to pray about that. And then I'll just pray. I'll end, but I'll, I'll pray, you know, it's Easter week and stuff. So um, if you guys want to lead us in prayer. Father, we just come to you today on behalf of 
what's going on in our nation, Lord God, and the people of our nation. I know that right now there is just so much going on and um, people are feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling frightened and afraid. But God, we know that you are the God who is in control. And that, Father, in the midst of our fears, and sometimes there are reasons to be afraid because you see the people around us getting sick, but in the midst of those fears, God, it doesn't change who you are and that you have promised to be with us. And so, Father, today we pray for all the healthcare workers. We pray for all those who are giving care to others right now who, who have to be out, have to be having contact with others. Father, I pray that, number one, that you would give them strength as they continue to, to care for others and to treat others, Father God. I pray that moment by moment, as they may be feeling overwhelmed, as they may be feeling themselves anxious about becoming sick, that, Father God, you would be their strength and you would be their source. Father God, I pray that you would send people into their lives to speak into their lives about how you can be their source at this time. Father, I pray for their health, Father God. I pray that uh, as they take their precautions to stay healthy, that, Father God, you would just honor how they're sacrificing for others and that you would protect them and keep them safe, Father God. Uh, Father, we're thankful for those who are willing to, 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 to care for others, willing to, to put themselves out there for others, Lord God. And um, Father, we know that that is a calling that you've given people, Lord, to do that. And so, Lord, we pray that right now you just lift them up, Father. Lift them up, Lord God. Father God, we just pray all for all caregivers. Maybe, maybe you're helping to take care of family members. Maybe you're helping to take care of your parents who can't go out and do grocery shopping. And uh, Father, I pray that you would just uh, be with those people who are taking care of their own homes and, and trying to help others, Father. Father, thank you for their lives. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. God, right now we just cry out to you on, the behalf, on behalf of those who... God, are lost and dying, Lord, spiritually, who don't know you, God. And God, we just cry out and pray, Lord, that the lost would be found by you, God. Like it says in Isaiah 61 that, that the old men would dream dreams and the young men would see visions, God, that you would just replace the nightmare of this situation, God, with dreams and visions of who you are, of your divine glory, God, and your truth, Jesus, we pray. Lord God, we are so grateful and so thankful, God, that technology allows us, the church, Lord, as a whole to, to proclaim your message, God, and, and just how so many social media platforms are just inundated, especially on Sunday with Saturdays and Sundays with, with your gospel, but even throughout the week, God, just how there's so much, Lord, that's just being proclaimed of you and your truth right now. God, I just pray, Lord, that those things would reach the lost, God, and that those things would just just call all men unto you, God, that you would just use every opportunity, God. Give us divine appointments, God, as we talk to family and friends, Lord, throughout these next few weeks, God. As as this situation in crisis, Lord, just puts death and dying and, and situations of afterlife, God, at the forefront of so many people's minds, Lord. I just pray that you would just give us divine appointments and give us your strength and wisdom and Holy Spirit power to just speak words of life and truth to speak the truth of your resurrection and your saving power, God, so that the lost would be found by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, Lord, right now I just come before you and ask <clears throat> that you would help us globally, the church, yes, be God. the beacon of hope, God, that you have always intended in your heart. 
Father God, I'm asking right now, Lord Jesus, that you would allow for churches uh, to begin to set in motion the things necessary to be able to receive the loss, to be able to continue to perpetuate your love, your hands and feet, God, tangibly into the world. Lord, I'm asking, Father God, for every church in our, in our world, Father God, uh, to just be flooded with, with fr uh, fresh, new, creative ideas, God, to be effective during this time. Fresh, new, creative ideas, God, to be effective moving forward, God. Lord, we, we pray, Father God, that from and out of the midst of this, that the church would flourish in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we, we know, Father God, that there are times when we go through seasons, but we also know that even in the midst of God, even in the midst of winter, God, you have the power to allow things to bear fruit. And so we ask, Father God, that you would allow for the church to bear the fruit necessary for people to see, to taste and see that the Lord is good. I ask, Father God, that you would revitalize dead churches, God, churches yes. that have been sleep and slumber, God, for, for a period of time. I pray right now in the midst of this, God, that they would awaken, Father God on a whole nother level, Father God, to begin to just uh, champion your kingdom, God, to bring forth your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we trust and believe, God, uh, that you are our living hope. And God, through you, Father God, we can continue, God, to represent that hope, to represent all that you would have us to represent for your kingdom's sake, God, so that people can come to know you. Uh, we pray that in Jesus' name. Lord God, we thank you. Uh, we thank you, God, that we can be connected at this time, Lord. And we thank you even for the staff getting together like this, and we can still talk about your word, Lord God. And we thank you uh, this Easter week, God. It's going to look different than what we're used to, the way we normally celebrate it. But God, the truth doesn't change, Lord, that uh, uh, what you have done for us, Jesus, and that you have overcome death and the grave, Lord God. That is the center of our faith. It's you, Jesus, and your work on the cross for us and how you've defeated death. You've forgiven us of sin, Lord God. And it's why we pray to you. It's why we come to you, Lord God. It's why our faith will not be shaken at this time, Lord Jesus, because you are the one who rules over all, God. You are the one who is sovereign, Lord God. We thank you and we praise you, Lord God, and we worship you, Lord, and uh, we, we know that you are the one that holds all things together, Lord God. And just thinking even about the story today, Lord God, I pray that our uh, we would uh, be sensitive to your spirit, like Pastor Todd said, God, about ways that we can worship you, Lord God. Maybe it would cost us something. Maybe right now it simply costs us time, Lord. We just have to take time out of our schedule. Maybe it costs us something else. It's a, an act of service that we can do for someone else, all these different things that we talked about, God. But as we are in this Holy Week now, as we're leading up to Easter and thinking about the wonderful news of your resurrection, Lord God, the true story of what you have done for us, not a myth, not a legend, but God, what you have done and God, our, how our faith is on you, Lord, help us to uh, offer a sacrifice of praise like your word says, Lord. We thank you so much that we can come to you. We thank you that you're with us, God, and that you hear us, Lord. Be with us the rest of today, God, in your name. Amen. 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 Hey guys, well, uh, it's been great. And I did want to say this really quick, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in case you're listening to this, all of us have these like gaming headsets on right now. <laughs> it's really funny to look at if, uh, I don't know, I guess we'll probably post this on YouTube, but, yeah. um, 
Yeah, everybody got like a pretty legit headset on right now. It actually helps the audio, so hopefully the audio sounds a little better. But it was just I feel funny. like we're in a helicopter or something flying around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's kind of funny to look at. So uh, yeah, maybe you can check it out online. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, keep connected. Let us know how we can pray for you and uh, tune in for next time. So thanks, guys, for joining us.